0: Dear Shooter, it's no secret that clear communication is essential for accomplishing goals, both in the shooting world and in business, but did you know that there are resources available to help improve those skills? Well, we have an app for that. Of course I have. Just
1: checking, because I'm like getting <laughs> the stink eye here. Go
2: do your thing, but get good at your craft first, and put your budget to things that really matter for the day, you want to get good at it. And make no mistake about it—that's training. Let's face it: if you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are, <laughs> and we've all seen it.
1: <laughs> wow! I feel the love. There it is. <laughs> and too. Jones, good The sensibilities of the fans. Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTac, empowerment through self-reliance, and Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. So good Thursday morning. We are back. We uh, just got home from a leadership academy that we did in Texas for a pretty large uh, international company, actually. Um, we started doing these a year ago, and we've actually been quite successful with them at this point. Uh, offer a fun escape for their employees, and they walk away learning some new skills.
2: Well, learning new skills is is part of it, but refining the ones they should already have is really, hopefully, the goal, right? Um, the folks that get sent to these things are... Not selected at random. Management knows that they have areas that they need to work on. And the folks that come definitely have areas they need to
1: work on. <laughs> now, we did, uh, we, we did this down in Texas, and we were graciously helped out by Air Force air guns and Firebird targets to do this. And the air gun aspect of it, definitely a new, new area for me.
2: Well, we chose air guns, or I chose air guns for this specific evolution because air guns are so sensitive and finicky for shooter mechanics. If you don't do it exactly right, you're going to have issues, and they're harder to diagnose, in my opinion, than issues you find with a centerfire rifle. The air guns we were using from Air Force are incredibly precise instruments. They didn't have an accuracy issue at all, even out to 200 yards.
1: No, and that was pretty impressive too. These are definitely not the daisy that you go pick up from Walmart. Um these are very highly tuned air guns and we were picking up hits on three inch targets at two hundred yards. That's impressive, even for a center fire. It it is, and you
2: start putting groups together with a twenty five cal pellet at those distances and it makes it even more interesting because these were all single fire um single shot rifles. Um they were not regulated which means that every shot had just a little bit less on it than the shot before, mm-hmm. um, that becomes a math-challenging thing as well. We had a beautiful visit from Mother Nature while we were down there. Uh, she gave us a little bit of wind, some cloudy skies, and some rain on the first day, which makes shooting challenging at best. And then she, you know, everybody get, got their jackets out, and then on the second day she let the sun shine. So it was a little bit bipolar on the weather.
1: It was, and I, I know I had to completely relearn uh, ballistics because we're used to shooting up here at a at a mile or better. Uh, we were 700 feet above sea level. There is a lot more air in that air down there. and the, uh, the humid environment, it makes it even more so. But that
2: is a challenge for your spotter.
1: It is, and we were very clear on that. That was one of the instructions that I gave is, you know, if your shooter's doing their job and, and pressing the trigger and holding where they need to hold and they miss a shot, it's, it's the spotter's fault.
0: Yeah. Well, so your spotters were saying you're, you're to the left. Okay, to the left of what? To the left of Dallas? I mean, yep. what?
2: To the left is a valid instruction. It's a good direction, but it doesn't give you a gauge. You're just
0: a little bit off.
2: A little bit still. I mean, what's a little bit, right? So let's talk about the language you have to be able to speak as a spotter to communicate to your shooter. Your shooter is working with a piece of equipment that, in this example, is metered in minutes of angle. So as a spotter, if you're doing your job, you're communicating also in minutes of angle. So that measuring tape that the shooter's got makes sense.
1: Well, and that's what this whole thing was about—was to improve communications. And and this, you—it's a prime example of what we were intending to do here. Is when you communicate, you have to be clear, you have to be concise, and you have to give the right information. And there was also a point we talked about asking the right questions.
2: Well, and as a, as a shooter, when I take a shot, and for whatever reason, my mechanics didn't allow me to see the shot and the follow-through to the impact, um, I'm asking my spotter, where did I print? Mm -hmm. Now, print means placement on target, right? Splash means, okay, I was off target. Where did it hit the dirt? Right. Um, So if the spotter saw splash, like in the competition side of things, it might have been the shooter next to him. Right. So the shooter needs to be asking the right question. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And and what you're talking about with the you know oh you were left you were off a smidgy. you know you you Matt's were on ass. the yeah you were I I heard you were on the line going what's a smidgy? you know you especially in a spotter situation you have got to give as detailed of an adjustment as possible you need to come right half a target not you were you were just off the target to the left that well, doesn't work I to,
0: had them I had them all stop. And turn around and look at me, and I said, above your head, I want you to hold how much a smidgey is, Now I want you all to look around.
2: Everybody had a different measurement for a smidgey. Yep.
0: And you think that that would have corrected the problem? It didn't. What corrected the problem is, if we don't get this under control, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to start calling your shots, and you're not going to like it.
2: (laughs) That's probably a fair (laughs) statement. smidgy, Nat's ass, just a little bit. We all know what you mean to an extent, but it's not an accurate measure to give him good feedback to make a next shot hit.
1: Right.
0: I mean, it might work in regular firearms because if you're a smidgy off, you know where you are. But with an air gun, you're losing pressure with every shot, and there's an adjustment for every shot. You need to know how far out you truly were. And make plans for the next shot that's not as powerful as the last.
1: Exactly I, I right. I don't even think it works in, in centerfire rifles either. I mean, we see this in every class.
0: Oh, come on. I tell you, Nat's ass all the time. You're fine. Yeah, but I speak your language.
1: That
2: That is the danger of your, your shooter-spotter team is working together a lot. Don't play cards with these two either. They cheat at Canastai here.
0: Duh. How else do you play cards? <laughs> but... Uh,
1: I mean, overall, it, it went extremely well, uh, and and the air guns were a challenge, and it it was nice. I mean, most of the, most of the real work that we did, once we got everybody familiarized with the guns, we we got them on target, we got them sighted in, got them zeroed. Most of the work that we did was inside of a hundred yards, but it was still challenging work because the targets were two inch, three inch.
0: Well, in your wind, that would come up, and then. Immediately go away. That was, that was exciting. Well,
2: you, be, you say that as it's a casual distance. Let's, let's think about this for a second. With an air gun, Olympic shots are taken at 10 meters. Right. Um, 50 yards is a very competitive distance for air guns. You use 100 yards as if it's a benchmark. That's because you're a center fire guy. Yeah, I am. At the end of the day, 100 yards with an air gun, most circumstances, that's a stretch. It is. We were working 150, 200 yards without much of an issue with novice shooters. Right. Um, and they did really good. They didn't
0: hit the cows.
2: They did not hit the cows. But it's a testament to the gear, right? The The pneumatic world has come a long, long way. But they're still, since their projectile speeds, their projectile weights, um, the the fluctuations thereof as you lose pressure in a tank – It's a thinking man's game.
1: Oh, very much.
2: And the spotter has to think in those terms for the shooter. The shooter is just the nut behind the butt, right? right? So it's responsibility to give that operator as much detail as you possibly can in the way of good communication, concise communication. You don't want to have a novel when you're a half a minute right.
0: No, I would like to put it kind of in perspective of the text versus the phone call.
2: Good analogy.
0: Right? So the text is exactly what you mean. Text, ladies and gentlemen, should only be one line, maybe two. If I have to scroll, that's a phone call or a novel.
1: Yeah, and don't and don't dictate to Siri because that garbles it up too. Yeah,
2: but I do that all the time and... <laughs> My typing's worse. So you, you all should just thank me, God, now for Siri.
1: <laughs> I don't know, because there's times I've gotten texts from you, and I don't even think Siri knew what you were saying. It was
0: Portuguese, but sure <laughs> Siri was like, I'm mad at him, so I'm going to write what I want to write?
1: That's a possibility, too, because I know even in my truck, I, my, I, I didn't even realize my truck had a voice until it piped up one day and told me that I had to stop being rude and not talk to her that way. Back
0: to communication.
1: Your AI had not been programmed to your dialect. No, apparently not.
0: We didn't know she existed till he ticked her off. So she should have said something, too. Communication's key. If we knew she was there, maybe we wouldn't have upset her. I
2: find it interesting you assigned her a gen- gender, first off. Well, have you heard her speak? No, it, was,
0: it It's It's a female or it's a man on hormones. Okay. Either or.
2: But you assigned it a gender, and she was secret until she got offended
1: i know but it's this nice deep sultry voice and and i try to be nice to her now because
2: so you've embraced your digital stalker
1: yes okay but okay so back to our back to the leadership academy and i and i i think this is something going forward that especially for lucid and for wild this is this is actually going to be a thing. We, you know, one, two, three of these a year. Um, and these are, these are for, they're designed for major companies. And the communication breakdowns that happen, especially when you've got several employees that are working from remote locations all on the same project. And, and we designed this class to work in a way where there was one team that could not see what was going on, but they were directing everything. Communication is
2: everything in a business environment. It has to be concise. It has to be to the point. It has to be effective. And there's a structure to that, right? Without letting too much out of the bag for those of you guys that are listening that might want to send your crew out to refine and hone their communication skills through one of our courses, um, there's a proven, effective way to ask a question, answer that question, confirm that you understand the question so you can go on and make an action plan based on that information. Um, we don't. It, there's no s- special sauce here or magic behind it. It's how the human brain works and how we listen to each other.
0: Well, there's also the, you know, don't fly off the handle if something seems short because with this company that we're working with in particular, they're international. So you have different cultures and some cultures get right to the point. And some need to fluff it up. And so if you are angry, you sit back, reflect on it. Did they really mean it that way? Because honestly, these people are talking through emails and it's, you can't read what they're you know, how they're feeling.
2: Right. And that, that's where the training comes in because you can't expect to communicate with emotion through a digital asset, text, email. It doesn't convey right. It always gets misconstrued. So you've got to train yourself to take the emotion out of it and provide the information you need either to ask or to get back, right, in an emotionless, very direct way. Your communication efficiency will come way up. Your performance of the actions you're asking for on the other, uh, other side of that communication will become a lot more accurate. Same thing happens on the shooting line at a competition, If your shooter-spotter teams are working well and they're in sync and they have effective communications, they will navigate that course faster, more accurate than anybody else.
0: Right. But if you get nasty with your spotter, don't make me tip this spotting scope. Right. I'll freaking walk away. So
2: a lot of competitions are on a clock now. So if you're not efficiently communicating and you have a bickering moment on the line, you're out of it. You've just lost. You didn't lose because you missed the shot. You lost because you couldn't communicate effectively.
1: Well, bring that back to business. Um, you know, every business transaction is on a clock. So when when you are losing time to this bickering and miscommunication and misunderstanding, how much time is lost on that project, uh, now, now you've got the customer upset because you're not meeting goals and timelines.
2: I think a lot of the time... W- what we've observed in the couple that we've run, there is
1: a heavy contingent
2: of content generated and inserted that is a CYA action. They're trying to cover their ass rather than get the job done. Right. And while I understand the need for covering your butt and making sure that you're insulated from anything that the other side might do wrong, it's inefficient. It wastes time.
0: We also had a lot of... uh it's not my fault. It's not my fault.
1: Well, and, and one of the things that we tried to force in this, and, and I think we did it very effectively, was we were forcing multiple teams to communicate to achieve a goal. Um, there, there was, we, we, had, we had four different teams, and at any given time, three of them were engaged, having to pass information back and forth, and it had to be accurate, it had to be quick, and with no, none of the fluff, and everybody was accountable.
2: It, that's no different than the business world. You've got the guy in the production line that's taking instructions. He's giving feedback to his manager who has to send that up to the supply chain to get time, money, and budget for the job. There's a sales guy that in, interjects out of the middle of nowhere and has unrealistic goals and expectations of the project, and then operations has to get involved and manage all that to make everything work. Executive management has to see that, All of that runs smoothly because at the end of the month, they are responsible for the numbers that they told corporate they were going to actually produce.
0: Well, and everybody's important. Your production guy may not seem important to you because he doesn't wear a suit and sit in an office, but if he's telling you he can't do that volume, the suits have to listen as well. It goes both ways. It doesn't just roll downhill, y'all.
2: Right, right. Absolutely right, because... Everybody has an equal share in the success and or the failure of whatever action we're talking about. That's right. And we, we see this, again, back to an analogy, in the shooting sports world, in the shooter-spotter ex- environment. If they don't communicate well, they don't have a chance of being competitive.
1: And you had a, you had a talk with them on day two, and, and I thought this was absolutely brilliant. There was, I was having issues with teams giving way more information than what was needed, and it ended up becoming confusing after that. And, and the analogy that you gave them was, look, you're trying to explain to a person how a watch works when all they really need to know is the time.
2: Yeah. Um, we had several instances, and I observed it in conversations that were talking about business, casual conversations, as well as in class doing the actions we were giving them. So on the second day, I, I started out the day with back to basics of the structure of communication, right? In a question, if somebody asks you a question, obviously they think you have the answer. That's why they're asking you this question, All right, So that's already set the stage for some already fairly critical assumptions we've made as we're moving forward. So your job as the person of being asked the question of, is to answer that question directly. Then, if it needs explained, is your opportunity to give all the caveats and the CYAs and whatever. But answer that question to the best of your ability accurately first. Because that's going to build a stable platform for a conversation that's productive. Right. If you don't answer the question directly first and you start out with, all the reasons why that you can't answer that necessarily properly and you're going to miss the date because now you're making an assumptions of what they want. You get lost in the weeds and the question never gets answered.
1: Right. And we, we saw that a couple of times. Um, one, of the, one of the drills that we did was we had a team on the ground that had to identify a target and relay that information through a hub to our shooting team now i i gave them it, they, they should have been able to describe that target with two descriptors i gave them three and at one point i was sitting there counting off five and six and i'm like going no 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 you're you're giving way too much information and it ended up confusing the shooting team to the point that they fired at the wrong target
2: well and and in the scenario that we put them in, if that was a real world scenario, both the shooter and spotter are going to Leavenworth at that point. Right. Um, you don't get to make an assumption and squeeze the trigger and hit the wrong target. It, it just doesn't happen. Right. Um, communication, approvals, directions in a fluid situation when things are changing is so incredibly critical that it is understood without explanation. If you can get to that level of efficiency and communication, whatever you're doing will be effective.
1: Right. And one of the other things that I saw, um, we, and, and I'm going to back the bucks up on us a little bit here, because we had a miscommunication, and it, it completely, uh, we, we had an evolution go completely off the rails it, it, because of the omission of three words,
2: well, the, the, the fact that you just jumped ahead and changed the rules without telling anybody.
1: It, it, well, it, and
0: then you threw the envelope in my lap and went off and test fired a firearm with ton. I hadn't been involved in any of it up till now. So forget the communication in your three words. I didn't even have three words. I'm just like, I have a list of photographs.
1: But but the fact is, is those three words would have completely changed the dynamic of the conversation.
2: Absolutely. You you had a target of opportunity that your shooters had identified. Correct. And it came back to me, and I was like, no, they're picking their own targets. That's not how this works. I never got target of opportunity.
1: It, exactly. And the, and the fact that those three words, th- and I make this point because that is how critical clear communication is
0: and once again as instructors we didn't have line of sight to any of us right so we were all in different locations so the communication had to been a little clearer than most
1: oh it, it absolutely did and that and we did that on purpose we we had the the spotting team was a completely different perspective on the range than the shooting team so information had to be right.
2: And the folks calling the exercise couldn't even see the range. We were in a different location altogether.
1: Yep.
2: As Intel often is given from a corporate office or a command center at a base somewhere that's not even remotely on the same part of the planet, they might have eyes in the sky giving them stuff, but at the end of the day, they're not there. Right.
1: Right. And that's the way it works in the corporate environment now. Um, you've got so many relo- remote locations. You have people that are working from home. You have people working from remote offices here and there, in the, uh, and and that clear communication has become more critical as we have moved into the digital age and and the speed of business as it stands now. Um, but I, overall, as 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 the The academy evolved and we got towards the end of it, I, I saw it, communication improve dramatically.
2: Well, this team, they pulled together and they got with the program and they learned that less was better. Mm-hmm. And we start talking in, at lunch afterwards. Um, some several points were brought up about how this would have a hard time in their work environment because – They have folks that are sensitive to certain things, and they have to be worried about what kind of pronouns they use when they address certain people. I mean, all that shit's bullshit. It is. It doesn't matter. It's all mission critical that matters. Mm -hmm. And if you get somebody's pronoun wrong and they don't read the email, that's about as unprofessional as it can possibly get. Agreed. So... As we fast-forward into business now, we used to call it, what, HR? Mm-hmm. Well, HR evidently is not friendly enough because um, human resources and people don't like being seen as a commodity. So they've changed it to people and culture, P and C. Right. Which, it's the same thing, y'all. But
1: mm-hmm. we
2: gave it a fancy title to make somebody feel better about working in that environment.
0: They're all somebody in an office, and they're either your mother or your father going, don't do that.
2: Right. There's lawyers involved and there's legals and procedures. And shops that are, you know, 9001 ISO um, are completely held to a different standard than the 14,000 ISO guys. Right. Um, The 14,000 ISO guys have a safety and compliance component that is rigorous. But they have procedures written for all of that. Right. Right. Um, that, That factors into people and culture. Because if you don't follow procedures, you may have got the job done, but it can't be certified now.
1: Right. Uh, one of the things I, I think I was most proud of, though, um, out, of, out of this particular academy that we ran, was seeing all of, the, all of these people come in from different locations and in, in, in different locations around the globe, so this, you know, this, it wasn't like they were in different offices in, in, a, in, a, in a region. These guys are, are global. And when they came in, the communication, you started to see the light bulb come on that it doesn't matter what my position is or where I'm at in the company. If I'm involved in this, it is my responsibility to move the ball forward and to make sure that my team has what they need. They work together for a common goal. Where I think before uh, they had more of a, I'm going to make sure that I get my part done so I don't get in trouble.
2: They're fulfilling the requirement to meet a sales goal and a timeline based off of forecast and projections that somebody at an ivory tower somewhere has put. Right. And they always start out with that mentality it's us and them. As the weekend progressed, it. Started to show that they had a teamwork environment, and they were all on the same mission. Right. Trying to get the same thing accomplished for the common good. They embraced it, and it really worked out well. Um, The one we held on the mountain, the same thing happened. You had cliques, and people were separate, and they were talking in little small groups the first day they were there. By day three... They were all going together as a group. They were sitting together as a group. You couldn't separate them. Carve one off to have a conversation. They were a unit at that point, and these type of exercises emphasize that.
1: And we saw the same thing with this one. That you know, day one, everybody was kind of off on their own, or there was maybe one or two people that. And but the by the end of day two, that the entire team was inseparable. Agreed, even.
2: A couple of the folks that came from such diverse backgrounds and got paired together. Mm -hmm. Um, On one side of it, there was observed a healthy level of patience because the individual he was working with was from a completely different culture. He had lots of struggles with the language and he was thrown into an environment that he had to perform in because he's under the spotlight right now, right? Right. So communication becomes really important. Um, You know, as you're looking at the team, as you select and get put into one of these events, you're there for a reason. Management has identified either you need some help or you need to help somebody that needs some help.
1: Right. And I I was I was particularly proud of that team in particular. They they had a lot of struggles. Uh, A lot of it was the cultural and in the communication aspect. But they they did work through it, and by the end of day two, they were finding a lot of success together. I was very happy to see that.
0: They even at at our last dinner, our barbecue we had on the last night, they sat next to each other, mm-hmm. which was huge from the first day.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah, they didn't really want to talk the first day, right?
1: Now uh, I, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit because we we talked about this in the beginning. But the facility that we used, we were at the Firebird Targets facility, and they, they hooked us up with some, some targets to use, and, and we had a hell of a good time with these things. Now, Firebird makes a reactive target. It's a signaling device that is essentially a little puck. And when struck by an air rifle, arrow, center fire cartridge, uh, they give a nice little report and flash, and it's really cool and a lot of fun.
2: Well, we've all shot Tannerite, right? Right. And this seems to be, chemically anyway, a completely different animal. I have done slow motion video with Tannerite, and there's a healthy flash that has a flame and a rapid expansion rate, right? With the Firebirds, when I was doing some slow motion film with them, that flash is really, really minimal. Right. It's heavy in the smoke. Now, the report's still there based on the backer that you put it on, so it's more of an echo than it is an actual rapid expansion, right? And But in a pack of 20 um, with some double-stick tape, these things are more fun than you can have pretty much anywhere on the range. Um, just make sure that you have the, the proper facility to, to do them on, but they are incredibly a lot of fun. They give you a lot of feedback and make shooting fun again. Um, and they are very sensitive, like you were saying, Archie equipment will even set these things off
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, you know Firebird was gracious enough to, to give us a couple of boxes of these to bring home. And we made sure to put them in the truck because we didn't want them rattling around the trailer too much.
0: Yeah, because we drove through Oklahoma. Those roads are a little bit interesting. I can
2: only imagine if a cascading would have happened inside a box of those. That
0: would have been bad.
1: Well, the trailer would have gotten a lot lighter. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Might not
0: have been your problem anymore, (laughs) but yeah. yeah. The air now passes through. Yeah,
2: you know,
1: less drag. Now,
2: the folks at Firebird are incredible folks. Dan over there is... An amazing individual. Um, it takes a little bit to get to know Dan. He's not the easiest on the planet to get to know. But once you do, he is salt of the earth. That man let us use his facility. He kept us completely separate from where he makes the stuff, understandably so. Right. Um, he had a a nice pavilion where he had a smoker and some tables and a fire pit and a cabin where you could get up and out of the rain and um, a large field in which we worked in heavily. Um, and one night he actually pulled ribs out of his freezer and fired up the smoker midday and he cooked those things for us and above and beyond being an explosives expert, Dan's a hell of a cook.
1: Those were those were fantastic. I mean literally falling off the bone. Um I think he had them in that smoker for about three hours, but they were amazing. They're pretty impressive. And fat kid likes some groceries. So yeah, <laughs> they were pretty impressive. <laughs>
0: Yes, you like groceries, mister. I need to take you to a grocery store that I used to go to. Holy shit, it was like 30 bucks a pound for fucking lunch meat. Okay, mouth. here's the the thing.
2: All right? You've not on my ass for this for three days. (laughs) So here's the deal. It's my turn. All right? (laughs) We found out we had a Hindu in the environment, so our menu had to change overnight. I was trying to go and find a place, which I knew Central Market, that used to be where you could get chicken already a marinated in the season because time was a crunch and fish that was edible because there's a seafood counter there at central market that is damn nice it is the but only we'll... reason we went to central market was for their pre-made deli type of selection of stuff right it wasn't for the budget i know you had the checkbook and you're a money hoarder <laughs> so knock it off
0: yeah, that was scary. There I was looking for cuz I was trying to get everything we needed there, you know, one stop. I was done traffic, you know. And I'm like, "Well, I just need some shampoo and conditioner." 13 bucks for a bottle of shampoo. And I don't even know what brand that is. What what are we talking about here? I'm
1: getting phone calls on the range. Um it, I I I get an angry one from Brandy going, "I'm not using this grocery store. We are going to Walmart now." And then I get a call from from Jason going, I don't know what's wrong. She's angry.
2: Well, she chooses not to use her words when she gets that angry, and she was swinging that credit card around like she was going to cut somebody.
0: I could do that. I know you could.
2: (laughs) I was scared of you in that moment. We ended up going to Walmart and picking in the holes that we needed, and we saved the budget from what I understand. At the end of the day, I was trying to do a good thing.
0: You did, and the funny thing was is that what we purchased, we purchased some— chicken sausage that they couldn't case because it was the end of the run because the casings are made of pork and we couldn't have that and this chicken sausage was purchased for this gentleman and that was the night we were having the ribs and everything I'll be damned if all the chicken (laughs) wasn't gone and they didn't eat all the ribs I'm like I could have just bought a bunch of this stuff y'all
2: there was like 12 pounds of this chicken sausage they ate it all.
0: I didn't even I get didn't, to try I didn't, it. Yeah, I didn't get any. I saw it once on the grill, but after that it was gone. I mean,
1: I was late to dinner because I was resetting the range, but...
0: You're always late to dinner. He's always resetting the range.
2: Right? Right. Somebody's got to do it. But at the end of the day, it surprised me that what people picked off the menu when those ribs were so good. They chose a chicken patty.
0: They, they ate ribs too, though. They ate good that night. <laughs> I don't know how many pounds of ribs we had, but there wasn't that much left over.
2: There was three full racks. Wow!
0: Plus the twelve pounds of chicken, and there was none of that left. So they ate well. So
1: to bring this back around, I mean we've we've talked about the air rifles, we talked about the the Firebird targets and the facility, which was fantastic. Um, but I think it was a successful academy that we ran. I and I and I I think you talked to. Uh, their boss earlier, and, yes. and they were very happy with the way it turned out.
2: Yes, he came and enjoyed us for the, the end of the last day, and we were done with all the activities when he showed up, and he got to interact with the folks as they were coming off the range after the event and all that, and he came and hung out with us for a little while, and then they, the next morning we met for an after action, and everybody said their piece and talked about what they got out of it and how they, they thought that you know it was a good thing. And then he took them to breakfast. And the goal there was to sit back and let them talk. And evidently, they did exactly that because they were there till 1 o'clock in the afternoon wow. sitting at that table and, again, having discussions.
0: Wasn't there flights at 2? Uh, there was one that had to hurry,
2: uh, okay. a 2.30 flight. And, and so they sat and they talked, and they had all the same kind of feedback we got at the the hotel that morning. Um, a couple minor things, but at the end of the day, they've had an exceptional time. He's very happy with the result of it because um, it will pay dividends to his team over the long run.
0: If the team chooses to take what they learn home, that's the part we can't control.
2: Well, they go through enough of these and they don't apply the principles that they express that they got out of them. The corporation will find another place for them and they may not enjoy it.
1: And that's, I mean, that, uh, unfortunately, that's, we have no control over that. That's right. But what we did and what I saw over the course of two days teaching these guys communication, and we really drilled down on it, how to communicate, what, what kind of information you need to send, it, it, it made a lot of sense to them. And, it, and I think we forced them to communicate in a way that they'd never thought of before.
2: At the end of the day, they built the team And at the last day, you couldn't pry someone out of that group. They ran around as a pack. Mm -hmm. Um, The communication was the catalyst for them to start working together, set aside their petty little grievances and start working towards a common goal. And that happened overnight. Right. So whatever the human psyche dynamic we played upon, it was a functional detail to building a team. And that was what we sold the exercise as. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think it worked out well. Um, one of the one of the things that we talked about in the after action, and, and one of the things that I I heard from just about every member of that team was we bet we know how to communicate better. We know how to talk to each other, and one of the points that was made was, this is something you do at Ballistic Summit, is you do business with your friends. A lot of these guys had never met, but yet they still have to work with each other. Now that they know each other, they've spent some time together, it's not a big deal to pick up that phone now. It greases the wheel.
2: And I've always said, everything's
1: better with lube. Yeah, and I think you've said that in every podcast we've done. It's a goal. (laughs) (laughs) So... Leadership academies, for, for those of you that are listening, you know, if you're part of a big corporation, this is, this is a thing. And it doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be, you know, a week-long seminar. We, you know, we, we pulled this thing off in two and a half days. Um, everybody came in on a, I think it was a Tuesday night. We, we were on the range Wednesday, Thursday. We had them on flights going home by 2 o'clock on Friday. It it doesn't take a lot of time. The big thing is perspective and, and understanding a way of doing things where everybody's working together f- for a common goal. I think
2: when we start looking at events like this, if you're going to build a team that is effective, that communicates, that works together, there's a critical aspect of getting them out of the work environment, putting them on – a task that may or may not be directly related to what they do for a living and let them draw their own conclusions about the analogies and the way that we're working the program because they'll sleep on it and it'll all make sense and fit in. But being away from work is a critical aspect of this whole team-building experience for the group.
1: Right. I I think we did an exceptional job of being able to tie in what we were doing to what they do for work the the communication part of it, we taught them the communication with an immediate result, and I think that's where the where a lot of times it gets lost in the corporate world is it's not a right away thing, and we as humans have gotten so used to instant gratification, and sometimes you don't get that in the business world. Thing, things take time. Now, when they can see the effective communication giving that instant feedback and that instant gratification, now they can go back and go, all right, I know this, this is going to take a little longer, but we're going to get there.
2: It removes a lot of hesitation on the ability to advance forward. It increases their ability to take the initiative because they know their supervisor. They know their direct report. Um, they're able to let that individuality grow into a very valuable piece of the cog and the wheel of being a team. And like you said earlier, they work with your friends much easier than they do just some guy that's a random email that you know you're supposed to respect because his title is bigger than yours. Right. You've never met him. You don't know who he is or what he does other than the fact that you send your information up to him and he sends back down directives. Mm -hmm. Right. So – Getting them outside the work environment, letting them do things that are not necessarily work-oriented really accelerates the team aspect of building a team. Mm-hmm. And those, and
0: well, getting them out as a whole, most of them, because you can't get everybody out, but most of them out of their comfort zone when they're doing it as well, so nobody's comfortable.
1: I think that's a big part of it, too. You've, you've got to break them down a little bit um because in in that corporate structure they're so used to being on their little throne whatever part of that that they they own
0: i mean so like the one we had the class we had this time there are several people who have been through a shooting experience of one way or another but when we did the leadership academy up on the mountain with the topo map and the compass and points they had to hit in teams they didn't really know we probably had three out of the how many people came 18 18 three out of the 18 that's done something like that before there was a lot of people outside their comfort zone which makes them depend on each other more Mm -hmm. especially the ones that have experienced it before
1: and i think at the end of the day it's that being dependent on each other and taking care of each other to achieve that common goal that's really what we're trying to do Uh, we do that through clear concise direct communication and i I think that's a lost art in this day and age
2: a little bit increased back in that realm though the world would be a better place maybe a lot less white noise and more shit would get done Mm -hmm.
1: absolutely and with that i'm going to say that we will see you next week and until then keep blaming the gun